from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a VinePair Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we're all moving forward as a drinks business during the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Luis Gonzalez, CEO of Old Elk Distillery. Luis, thank you so much for joining me, and where are you right now? Thank you for having me, Adam. Happy to be here. Right now, I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, where it's the home of our headquarters and our distillery. So uh, for those that are unfamiliar, what is Old Elk Distillery? Yeah, so so Old Elk Distillery, uh, we've built our distillery here in Fort Collins, Colorado, and we have we have a pretty unique story on how we got started. Um, I wouldn't say it, it's the right or the wrong way. It's just a, a way that we really felt strong about starting that I'm excited to tell you about. So here at Old Elk Distillery, we've built our distillery as a house of brands versus a branded house. Uh, that really allows us to expand our portfolio, not only for the products that are critical in the market today, but the products that are also critical and important to a lot of our customers and our distributor partners across the country. When we first started, we started this business back in, in really 2012 and 2013. And how we started is is pretty unique. Our ownership is is a family. Uh, we're privately owned and they're, they're the Richardson family here in Colorado. And we're also the founders of the Otterbox cell phone case company, Otter Products. So we've got a lot of history uh, in manufacturing and, and glowing global brands in different industries, not only in consumer electronics, but obviously now in the spirits industry, which has is, is, is been incredibly fun for us. Uh, so when we started, really, when we looked at the business, we said there's really two ways that we could go about this. Do we want to contract manufacturer? Do we want to buy already aged inventory and really launch the brands right away? Which is basically how a lot of people start, right? Like they, a lot of people buy brands, like buy liquid that already exists. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think it's, okay. there's a lot of good partners out there that, that, that do a good job in supplying the liquid to a lot of craft distilleries, if you will. And there's a lot of great brands out there that have taken that strategy and have been very successful with it. Uh, for us, it was a little bit of a different approach. For us, we really wanted to be organic in how we were creating our products and really give the respect and the time that it takes behind delivering an award-winning lineup of whiskeys to the market and to our consumers. And so when we sat at the table, we said, okay, how, how do we want to do this? And, and what we decided was we do want to make our own custom mash bills. We do want to start from scratch, but we want to put the money behind the inventory and building the brands and the culture before we build the big conglomerate distillery, if you will. And so what we focused on was building our initial distillery here in Fort Collins, Colorado, and really going to the drawing board to develop our mash bills and our brands within the business that we wanted to, to, to put focus and investments behind. And when it came particular to the Browns, to the whiskey line, we wanted to start really at the top. We wanted to start with the best expertise that we felt we can get and the best expertise that we had really noticed through, through doing all of our due diligence in the industry. And it was that time that we went to MGP and we met with master distiller, Greg Metz. And we sat down with Greg and it was really about, hey, we want to create our whiskeys, but we don't really want to buy aged whiskeys. We're, we're committed to the industry. We're committed to the investments and we're committed to our consumers to produce the best whiskeys we can. So what are we going to do together? And it was that time around 2012, 2013, that we decided that we were going to create several different mash bills, okay. starting with 
starting with our flagship mash bill, which is 34% malted barley, 51% corn, and 13% rye. And it's it's, it's a really uh, untraditional mash bill, if you will, uh, that really has a different type of flavor profile. So that's where we wanted to start. We wanted to start with 51% corn, 34% malted barley, which is really four times the amount of malted barley and the balance being rye. And from there, we expanded our scope into delivering and developing our wheat bourbon, our rye whiskey, and our wheat whiskey as well within our portfolio. And all within 2013 and 2012 to 2014, I would say, we laid down over 17,000 barrels of whiskey. All in your own facility. Well, we leveraged uh, the MGP facility, you know, okay. uh, but it was it was really more about being able to scale the inventory to be ready for a national launch down the road. So we made some products here at our distillery, but, you know, our distillery could not handle the capacity that we really wanted to lay down to rest for the for the country to really hit the country hard, you know, five years later. So we made a significant investment in some custom mash bills um, and several different mash bills. And we were very patient. We waited five years to launch the business. So Luis, can I interrupt you for a second? Because I'm, I'm very sure. curious and you're, I've got tons of questions. So first, I'm just curious from your perspective, which is just for your your color here. So a lot of listeners probably have heard of MGP before, but don't really know that much about it. And since you've been you know, in, in partnership with them, if you could just sort of explain who they are, I know they have their own products as well, but they do a lot of contract distilling for lots of different brands, correct? They do uh, for a lot of brands. And our master distiller now, who is Greg Metz, uh, was the master distiller for MGP for several years and has been distilling for, for 40 years. And they do a great job of providing the opportunity for crafts and other businesses to really fill the gaps within their portfolio and or spot buy some inventory for us it was a little bit of a different relationship you know it was a one-time it was a one-time uh deal where we were laying a significant amount of whiskey down to really give us the opportunity to then go focus on building this path the market strategy as well as our culture within our brands and so you laid a ton of stuff down you know we were we chatted obviously before we started the interview so i know you've you've been with the brand for three and a half years right so this was before your time when they were doing this. What was that like for them to like take that risk? Because laying that amount of, of barrels down that you quoted the figure of, which I can't remember now, would you say 17,000 or? Yeah, over 17,000. Yeah, like to take that kind of financial investment and probably hit, it's got to be crazy, especially because, yeah, you know, like you know what the distillate tastes like, but you kind of have no idea, or maybe you do what it could taste like in five years. Like, what gave them the confidence to do that? Was it just based on Greg's background as a master chiller, knowing he had created you know other great whiskeys in the past? Uh, was it you know how did you know that those were the right mash bills? I feel like there's I've got so many questions about that because it's just for people who think about business, it's such a risk to know that like you're not going to see the fruits of your labors for five years and it could suck. Now yours doesn't, but it could. Right. So right. How, how does that, how does that work? Like what, what, what goes through your mind when that's happening? It's a great question, Adam. And I think it really starts with our ownership, you know, the DNA of our ownership and the DNA of all of our executive leaders across all of our businesses are very entrepreneurship. 
and they're very dedicated to whatever it is that we want to do. You know, uh, it's 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 one of those things where when we decide, hey, this is our next big opportunity. This is where we want to create jobs. This is where we want to create opportunity for others. This is where we want to put world class products to market. We go all in. And for us, being organic is very important as it ties to the innovation strategy within our business and the, really the, the DNA of entrepreneurship that we have throughout all of our organizations. And it's really led by our, our ownership. And so, you know, there was lengthy conversations on this is an, a significant investment. But we also know that this industry is one that if you do it right and you deliver the quality products, the consumers are very loyal to your brands and they're very accepting of new items. You know, what other industry do you have the opportunity to create a, a really significant product that's great in quality and it's got a great story behind it and it can last for a hundred years? You know, that's really the industry that we're in. And so our dedication to the industry and our dedication to our customers was to be organic and was to put the investment behind the brands and really deliver something that could stand on its own. And not only stand on its own, but also scale across the country with depth and with velocity. And so that was the approach we took. You know, we we laid down the bourbon and we went back to work on our otter, otter, otter products business. And um, five years later, came back to really start our, our hunt across the country. Okay, cool. So, so you were with Otter before coming over to old elk then that's correct uh okay cool so because that's that makes more sense than when you tell me your history where it's like okay so you've been with the family bit like the family and the business the whole time so you were aware of what was happening with the whiskey and then you came into the whiskey business once the whiskey was ready so that makes a lot of sense correct so then you brought over the master chiller from mgp and now he's just with the old elk brand that's right um, around 2016 early 2017 uh, we were getting ready to really launch our brands. You know, we we have several brands under our umbrella. We have Old Duck Bourbon. We have Dry Town Gin. We have New Coup Bourbon Cream. We have PB&W. We have Whiskey Smith. And it was getting time to really start our, our distribution and our drive across the country. And we went to meet with Greg and we, we just put a, a phone call out there and met with him for a lunch and, and said, hey, you know, you had a big hand in, de in developing uh, all of our products and you laid down all of our products for us. So, you know, we're here to talk about having the opportunity to join the old elk family and be our exclusive master distiller. And he was so excited. You know, I don't want to speak for Greg Metz. He's a, he's a, a, a wonderful master distiller, a great professional and a great personal uh, human being, but he was incredibly excited to join our, our company and join our, our team uh, to really round out his career. You know, he's been part of building several, several products for brands, but really always kind of behind the curtain. And this was an opportunity for him to really round out his career as the face of our whiskeys and the face of our distillery uh, and really continue to push the envelope around innovation and quality and craftsmanship and also integrity. And um, it was, a, you know, as he says it, it was a no brainer for him to to uh, join our team, uh, knowing the past, you know, interactions that we had had and all the barrels that we had laid down and the opportunity that we had to, to truly be successful. Uh, but it takes a lot of people to be successful, you know, our distribution partners and our customers. So totally. So, you know, obviously like the, the spirits business is insanely competitive, um, you know, and then 
in a lot of these businesses, right? It's especially to become these massive brands, it takes a lot of capital investment and you're competing against the Brown Foremans, the Diageos, Heaven Hills of the world. Um, what, why, why go into spirits? What was the desire? And then why go in so big to spirits? Why not just be a, you know, a small Otterbox, I assume is doing really well. Um, why not be just a small neighborhood distillery that can maybe service Colorado, maybe a few of the surrounding states? Like, what is the desire to be this national brand? Well, I think, you know, the desire for us is to really deliver global premium brands. And the spirits industry is one that you can deliver innovation, you can deliver speed, you can deliver quality, and you can really deliver the things that. Uh, you feel may resonate well with a consumer and put it out there and try it. Right. Right. Uh, there's several great brands and there's tons of great products and it is highly competitive, but for us, our niche is, is behind innovation and speed. You know, I get asked a lot of times, you know, how, how do you feel so comfortable competing against the big guys? And the big guys do a phenomenal job. That's why they are who they are and, and what they've done. Uh, and big, Bigger will a lot of times beat smaller, but faster will always beat slower. And for us, you know, we focus a lot on being nimble, being disciplined, but never rigid, being very innovative forward, listening to the voice of the customer and not being really afraid to stretch our limits and stretch our, our, our opportunities and the product lines that are important. So, you know, it was one of those industries that we felt like has a lot of history, a lot of proven history has a lot of great players and we truly felt that you know the way that we can approach a strategic operational plan and a portfolio plan really could add value not only to our distributors and our customers but really deliver a, a quality product across the country one that resonates with our consumers so big gamble well, yeah because when you say speed I, I get speed right the, the, like but it's hard to be fast with whiskey right or with good whiskey right and so that's that's one of the things that you so I'm curious what what speed means for you because one of the biggest knocks that you hear from you know spirits uh, aficionados I hear a lot from beverage directors is like one of the the reasons that craft whiskey especially hasn't really become beloved in the U.S. in the same way that craft beer has et cetera is because a lot of these whiskey producers are trying to take shortcuts in order to get their products to market faster when you know the heaven hills and brown foremans of the world just have barrels and barrels and barrels of aged juice that they can call upon whenever they want to create an amazing nine-year-old or to create a really interesting unique blend that might have some whiskeys that are 25 years old some whiskeys that are two years old etc right and they're not taking any of those shortcuts because they just have the history and the inventory so they don't need to um and so i'm curious what speed means in that regard when it comes to making whiskey? Yeah, I know that's a great question. And, and for us, it's really about not cutting corners. And our strategy early on about our significant barrel investment is what allows us to really get to that point of speed. So when we laid down all of our barrels and we launched our business really in November of 2018 is when our first bourbon expression was, was available. From 2018 to 2020, we've become available in all 50 states. And that allows us to really do a lot of things on the on-premise trade and do a lot of things on the off-premise and connect things nationally. And because we laid down several mash bills 
and an, 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 an incredible amount of volume, it allows us to launch our first whiskey in 2000, November of 2018. And then we quickly followed up with another one towards the end of 2019. And then at the beginning of this year, we launched our other three, our wheat whiskey, our wheat bourbon, and our rye, all of which are award-winning products. And so it really allowed us to have the runway to move quickly while we're continuing to lay barrels down to fill the gaps in the pipelines of the future. So you will see some older expressions come out from us because we've planned for it. You will see the traditional aging happening because we don't believe in rapid aging and we don't believe in, in cutting corners. But the investment strategy early on is what has allowed us to move fast with our browns and our whiskeys. If you switch gears a little bit into some of our other product brands that have nothing to do with Old Oak Bourbon, completely separate product strategy, completely separate um, profile strategy, if you, if, if you take it that way, yep. is moving with speed behind the development of products and brands. So, for example, we have a, a, a whiskey a flavored whiskey line coming out that we're able to put together and deliver a quality flavored whiskey uh, that really resonates with a whiskey drinker, but also has the opportunity for education and cocktails on the on-premise trade and deliver it with speed. So for example, we launched Whiskey Smith roughly three weeks ago, and we've already started to get it into about 27 states. Now, that doesn't happen without a very strong distribution partner and a very strong distribution network in which all of our distributors are incredibly great partners to us. And we wouldn't be where we're at today without them. And so I think it's about instilling the confidence around being able to develop quality products and bring them to market quickly, have a great branding team that can really pull the, the, the true story together and show the story, you know, from a hearts and minds perspective and really being disciplined, but not rigid in how and what you're doing and what market you're working on or where you're focusing. So speed to us, very similar to innovation, isn't just tied around a product, it's around a philosophy, it's around a strategy and a path to market and a culture. So let's talk a little about introducing products, especially new products, right? In, in the lens of COVID. So you're saying you, you have this new product, Whiskey Smith, and you mentioned a lot about on-trade. Well, for most of the country, right, on-trade barely exists. It's, it's barely hanging on. Um, so how are you building brand awareness right now when the like one of the main channels for new brands to gain exposure, which is you know great great bars across the country, are barely surviving. Yeah, it's it's been a tough time, you know, not only for several brands out there, but the on premise trade and and what we've done to really try to stay connected, like a lot of people, is we've we've really driven a very heavy virtual strategy. So. We have a, a great beverage director. Her name is Melinda. She she runs our tasting room. She's got national beverage experience. So she's really focused on the education virtually for USBG groups, for a lot of the on-prem national accounts who are looking for um, cocktail activation opportunities or cocktail on the go opportunities. She's really leading the charge behind the education. And then on the other side, we have Greg Metz, who's been incredibly involved in connecting with all of our our bourbon groups and our customers and our distributors through virtual barrel picks and virtual tastings. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where when the travel stopped, more time was available. So now we're able to actually reach and connect more people, uh, connect with more people around our brands and the education of our brands and deliver something of value to them. You know, a okay. lot of times, 
you know, they're at home and they, they can't go work, but they want to start to try to create cocktails. They want to try to gain some more education. They want to still pick a barrel. They want to be part of that process. And connecting with them through video and virtual opportunities really allows us to, to stay close to that connection um, and provide education and provide opportunities for those. So we do a lot of game nights, you know, social media game nights. We do a series called On the Bar. Uh, that's really kind of just starting where we'll invite mixologists to, to do a virtual happy hour uh, for our platform on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, and then we'll connect virtually for tastings, large group tastings or single barrel picks. Um, and then Melinda will host a series of videos that's on our YouTube channel, as well as a series of live videos around mixology and creating cocktails with our different products. So that's how we've been trying to really drive uh, the connection during this time. Had you thought at all, like when, since, I mean, I assume the whiskey sis was in planning prior to COVID, obviously, had you thought when all this happened, like, huh, maybe we don't launch the brand, maybe we hold back. Or were you just like, look, this is the plan. We're going to adapt and just keep going forward. Yeah, you were, we're, you know, as I said earlier, once we really find that there's an opportunity and a gap in the market and something can, can really be successful, we go all in, you know, we're, we're very good at adapting and, and changing some of the strategies that we need to change. We're yeah. very nimble and fast on our feet. So uh, we never had a doubt about launching it. It just became more focused about, you know, how do we connect even deeper virtually and how do we continue to drive education with these new products coming to market? Very interesting. Um, and so, I mean, I assume you guys are looking at tons of data all the time, also talking to customers. Like, what is it that you guys are doing that's making you, that's going into, you know, how you're coming up with what to do next? So it's a little bit, it's a little bit of, you know, data. Data is always king, obviously, you know, to understand whether where you're going is is where their opportunity is at. Um, and a lot of it is is leaning on the experience of Greg Metz and our team as well. And then a lot of it is in, in partnership with our distributors, you know, having the open conversation around where do they see the gaps? Where do they see the constraints? Where do they see right. the trends going? And us being the partner that's willing to step up and deliver that product if it makes sense for everyone. And right. so, okay. you know, education's a, a big thing. And, and for us, not being afraid to fail is another thing. You know, um, you know, we have a saying around here that, you know, if you fail, you fall forward. Um, as long as you're failing and falling forward and learning, you know, we can make something of it. And then as far as our product strategy goes, you know, I always tell the team, we're going to shoot directional bullets. And when we hear it hit the target, we're going to load the cannon and shoot it in the same direction. And so, you know, we're very, uh, very aggressive when it comes to, to working with our partners and finding opportunities to deliver products that make sense and are adding value. Uh, you know, if it's adding value and it's driving innovation, we want to go there. If it's a me too and it's not adding value, then we want to stay away from that. And so now at, at this point, are, are the majority of products or are all the products produced at the facility in Fort Collins? We have a majority of them there produced. We do use a couple of co-packers you know, across the country to, to help us with the volume. I mean, we've gone from you know, 2018, you know, selling 8,000 cases to now over 40,000 cases a year, Wow! you know, and only a, only a year and a half. So, you know, the systems and processes that we had put in place, you know, 12 months ago are, are already outgrown and we're really looking on how do we continue to leverage, you know, our facility, but some also great partners around the country who can, you know, who are there to help. 
So, you know, we do have plans to, in the future, you know, the near future, bring everything in house. But right now we're really making sure that the dollars are going behind the quality of the brands and the culture of the business and, and the outreach of our, our community and consumers. Are you in, so are you in every, uh, every state yet or no? We are, we are across the country. Wow. Uh, we became uh, a brand in, in all 50 states in about 19 months. Wow. And so is there, is there one brand that maybe is more easy to find than another? I'm, I'm thinking in terms of if, if people are listening to go out and, and have them try something, what would you recommend? I mean, our old duck whiskeys, you know, all of our whiskey lineups are, are, are really performing well and, and, uh, have really been adopted by all states across the country. So, you know, our consumers will find our, our blended straight bourbon whiskey, which was, you know, named best Colorado whiskey of 2020 and also has a gold medal from the New York Spirits competition. They'll find our straight rye, which scored a 96 in our ultimate spirits and was named, uh, you know, international best international rye whiskey, best American rye whiskey. I'm sorry. Uh, they'll find our straight wheat whiskey. That scored 94 points in the Beverage Tasting Institute and 92 in the Ultimate Spirits. And then finally, they'll find our weeded bourbon, our wheat straight bourbon whiskey that scored a, a 93 and a gold in the New York Spirits competition. So a lot of these products have started to hit the shelves along with our single barrels. You know, we've done several hundred single barrels across the country, uh, not only with retail outlets, but a lot of bourbon influencers and a lot of bourbon groups as well. So a lot of our single barrels are out there and it's, uh, you know, encouraging uh, to hear a lot of the feedback that's coming back. And, you know, our consumers should be able to find those bottles really spread out across the country. Well, awesome. Well, Luis, thank you so much for taking uh, the time to chat with me today. This has been really interesting to learn about uh, you guys and the, and, and the business and, and sort of what you're doing now and what you did prior to, to COVID. Um, and yeah, thanks, thanks for taking the time and, and I wish you all the best of luck. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. And uh, we'll continue to, to do our best out there for all of our customers and partners. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Fair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vinepair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.